0: The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning in this place wherever we we are gathered. And we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It has it has long been the tradition of the church to combine Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and his passion and death on the cross into the Palm Sunday celebration. We begin traditionally with the liturgy of the palms and a joyous procession around the church and then sing and pray and then read the profound and sobering story of Jesus's trial, beating and crucifixion. It's a long service with a lot of emotion packed into it. Now this year Because of the strange limitations imposed on us by COVID-19 and the fact that I can pretty well count on all of you to be available for a Good Friday service, Um, I made the decision to split Palm Sunday and Good Friday more explicitly, the triumphal procession today and the passion and death on Friday. So my intention was to preach a sermon that stayed on Palm Sunday. One that didn't get into Good Friday. Uh, But truth be told, I have failed to write such a sermon. It turns out that the authors of our prayer book were onto something. Palm Sunday and Good Friday are inextricably linked. So even though we're not going to read the entire Passion narrative today, we're going to save that for Friday, we will finish today at the cross. Because once you get started talking about the significance of what was going on on Palm Sunday and how the people gathered along that road would have understood what was happening, it becomes impossible not to connect it to Good Friday. So to understand Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the Feast of Passover, you have to understand a little bit about the climate of the city into which Jesus was entering. Jerusalem was, of course, a Jewish city, but it was under Roman occupation and under Roman authority. In fact, the Roman soldiers, the Roman garrison, the most feared fighting force in the world, was stationed in a fort that was literally right next door to the temple. A fort with a tower tall enough that the soldiers could see down into the temple court. The Jews always knew that the Romans were watching. And like any populace under the rule of an occupying military force relating to their overseers was a complicated thing. Now, lest you think that I just knew all of this stuff off the top of my head. I did do a little bit of research this week. I looked at some Bible encyclopedias, uh, a great Facebook video on the provocative nature of Palm Sunday by my friend Chad Bird, a video, by the way, that like eight different people sent me this week. Um, And I even went back and dug out an 18-page paper that I wrote in seminary comparing the Palm Sunday procession to Jesus' procession from the temple courtyard to Golgotha with the cross and the Roman triumphal processions of the day. I only mention that because there was a point in my life at which I could write an 18-page paper, and I just wanted you to know that. But this is where we have to begin. The fact that Jerusalem was both a Jewish city and a Roman city, and that these two things lived in a deep tension. All the time. Now, most Jews, of course, living in this holy city under this oppressive regime just tried to get along as best they could. They kept their heads down, tried to do their work, live their lives, raise their families. This wasn't everyone, though. There were people on the two far ends of the spectrum. On the one side, you had what came to be called the Hellenizing Jews. These were the Jews who tried to assimilate as best they could, went along to get along, tried to fit into the foreign culture in which they found themselves. You know the kind of people I mean. But it's the people on the other end of the spectrum that will be worth us talking about for a moment this morning, and that's the resistance, the, the radicals, the revolutionaries, the, the Luke Skywalkers and Obi-Wan Kenobis, these are the people who are always looking for ways to rise up against their oppressors. Ways to take Jerusalem and their national identity back. And this group was called the Zealots. And it seems that, even though the text doesn't say so explicitly, it seems that these people, desirous of reclaiming their national identity and escaping from under the Roman oppression, were a big part of that crowd gathered on Palm Sunday morning. And the fact that they were waving palms is a big clue. I want to read to you for a second from a book from the Apocrypha, the book of First Maccabees. Now this is not a book of scripture, but it is an ancient writing that provides valuable insight into the history of the Jewish people between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New. This section of 1st Maccabees chapter 13 is telling the story of an event that occurred about 150 years before Jesus's birth. So about 180 years before Palm Sunday. This is 1st Maccabees chapter 13, just three verses uh, 49 to 51. This is the story of Simon, a Jewish leader, recapturing an occupied citadel for the Jewish people. And he recaptures it by putting it under siege. Here's what First Maccabees says. The people in the citadel of Jerusalem, that's the occupiers, they were prevented from going out into the country and back to buy or sell. They suffered greatly from hunger and many of them died of starvation. They finally cried out to Simon and, gave, and he gave them terms of peace. He expelled them from the citadel and cleansed it of impurities. On the 23rd day of the second month, in the 171st year, the Jews entered the citadel with shouts of praise, the waving of palm branches, the playing of harps and cymbals and lyres, and the singing of hymns and canticles, because a great enemy of Israel had been crushed. So, 180 years before Palm Sunday, we have the waving of palm branches connected to the triumphal entry of a conquering hero of Israel who crushed an occupying force. The palms were an enduring image too. In 70 AD, right before the temple was destroyed, Israel minted its own coins, that is, coins minted under immediate threat of oppressive destruction. And what did they decide to print on these coins? Palm branches. Palm branches connected again to a time of desperate need for a conquering hero to get out from under an occupying force. So palm branches then are no coincidental accoutrement as Jesus enters Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. The people... Don't have palm branches by accident. These branches are freighted with great significance. They might as well be waving nation of Israel flags. Jesus, they think, is like Simon. Come to rid them of their occupying oppressors. Hosanna to the son of David, they cry. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They're shouting Hosanna, which means save us. This thronging congregation is collectively waving a symbol, one that everyone gathered there would have recognized, a symbol of their desire for Jesus to be the one who had come to liberate them. And of course, he had, but not in the way that anyone was expecting. Now, now we have to fast forward to Friday and into that temple courtyard. Pontius Pilate is there, the Roman prefect. And remember, the Roman garrison is literally looming over them from next door. Rome, the oppressive oppressive regime, is all around. And Jesus, who was supposed to be Simon, remember, has been arrested. And the crowd is worried that all of their palm waving from before... Is for naught. Maybe this isn't the guy who's going to liberate them, like Simon had done almost 200 years before. And this crowd wasn't just worried, they're angry. They've gotten their hopes all the way up just to see them come crashing down. Jesus, whom they welcomed with such vigor and celebration, seems now so meek and lowly. He's doing nothing to defend himself and doing nothing to defend them. And then the Roman prefect offers them a choice. This is Luke chapter 23, verses 13 to 21. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you have brought me this man, Jesus, as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas. A man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city. And for murder. Pilate addressed them once more. Desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting. Crucify him. Crucify him. The people. Have made their choice. And it's a choice that is. Perfectly in keeping with the rabid celebration of Palm Sunday. They want an insurrectionist. Barabbas was from that far edge of the spectrum, a radical, a zealot. He had just started a rebellion in the city. It totally makes sense that the people voted for his freedom over Jesus's. He was the one trying to give them what they wanted. He was the one trying to free them from that looming Roman garrison that they could all see over their shoulders. He was the one who was actually doing something. And Jesus, to their fury, just stood there, silent. Of course, Jesus was actually going to do something that very afternoon, but it would be the opposite of what everyone expected. And this is how it always goes for people like us, whose desires are wrapped up in iniquity and sin. Jesus resolutely refuses to give us what we think we want. We are not getting our freedom from worldly oppressors. Jesus gives us what we actually need. We are getting our freedom from sin and death. In the world you will have tribulation, says Jesus in John chapter 16. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He doesn't say that our tribulation will end, but he does say that he has overcome it. Palm Sunday is good news for sinful people. We want victory. Jesus' way to victory is through defeat. We want a kingdom. Jesus' rule is symbolized by a crown of thorns. We want life. Jesus gives us life by dying in our place. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven is actually the perfect welcome for Jesus into our lives. Hosanna means save us. And save us, Jesus, is our cry. And that, that saving, is exactly what Jesus has done. Amen.